Happy Summer Aspire Leaders. I am so excited for this conversation with Amber Calderon. We know that during this time of year, people are recovering from stress and emotional heartache. Obviously, as a leader in education, the school year is draining and can take a lot away from your physical and emotional well-being. So Amber is going to talk about her time as an elementary teacher and some of the strategies she used to make sure that she was recovering to make sure that the summer was then used to better herself. And so we're going to talk about a lot of different strategies on emotional wellness and creating a community that you can tap into throughout the summer and the school year. Amber works for Classroom Champions, which is a wonderful organization with Olympic athletes. We're going to talk about her role with that wonderful company, and then we're going to dive into all the many services that Amber provides for educators all across this country. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. All right, Aspire Leaders, you are in for a treat because I have a very good friend, someone who's extremely inspirational and has been a wealth of knowledge for me. I am so blessed to be connected with her. Amber, thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead. Joshua, I'm scared you oversold me, but I'm so excited (laughs) to be here. Hi, everyone. I can't wait to share this episode with you. Amber, I did not oversell. And the reason I can say that easily is because we've been talking for like 30 minutes and you have been just spewing inspiration left and right. And I was just telling you, I should have been recording all of it. So I'm super excited about the conversation. But before we dive into a lot of amazing topics, I would love to learn about your educational journey. Yeah, so... So glad to just chat with you. And I agree. I think we could just ramble on and on, but don't worry, everyone. You're in for a treat. So a little background into who I am. I'll kind of start from the beginning. I went to Baylor University, psychology and rhetoric and argumentation. And to be honest, first gen in America, I kind of honestly, nobody told me what to do when I go to college. Like, I'm going to be honest. Nobody actually knew that I applied to college when I applied to college. I applied for free and reduced lunch. I figured it out what that meant. I applied for FAFSA all on my own. And I do have this kind of like figure it out mentality since I was from the beginning. My goal was like, get an education and figure out what you're going to do with your life. Like, and that's, and that's what I did. And I went to Baylor and I honestly picked a major, not actually knowing what that meant. I'm I'm being like super transparent and vulnerable. Like I didn't know. And, and while I was doing that, I, 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 you know, had highs and lows and I learned and I worked two jobs while I was like taking multiple hours to get these degrees. And my like junior year, I believe I was a sexual assault crime victims associate for the advocacy center in Waco, Texas. And I was actually really surprised how many of the victims were children. And I decided right then and there, I was going to become a teacher. And so while I was getting my degree at Baylor University during the day, I got certified through ESCs in Texas to become a teacher because I wanted to be that advocate for students. I just felt that calling. And while I was doing that, I was also serving as the research assistant for the dean of psychology at Baylor University. So I was running his research, doing psychology. I'm bringing that up because that's going to come back later. And I ended up teaching for about five years. And 
My first year I taught in West Texas, which was the year post fertilizer plant explosion. And a lot of the kids had PTSD and I started creating a lot of resources online to help engage them. And everyone kept telling me, Amber, you should sell this online. And I was also, you know, looking for community. I ended up selling my resources online. I started selling on Teachers Pay Teachers. It kind of blew up into a way that I didn't imagine that it would be. I taught there and then I ended up moving to another school. I taught there in a one-to-one iPad district. I ended up just creating this persona online. I created an Instagram. I taught, I always say, and that's what people have told me. I had street cred marketing because I didn't go to school for marketing. Right. But I learned in the field, which is how you learn best. You learn by getting your hands dirty, which I hope we get to talk about later. And lo and behold, the CEO co-founder of Nearpod reached out to me and said, whatever it is you're doing, I would like for you to do this for my company. And I moved from Texas to Florida when Nearpod was an early startup, so I was an early employee there, teacher, had no idea what the corporate life was. I was like, what is Salesforce? What are all these things? And y'all, teachers are resourceful. You figure it out. Whether you have $1 or $10, you can make it look like you have $1,000. And we are scrappy by nature, which means we thrive in a startup environment and don't let anyone tell you anything different. And so I was there for five years. I grew in leadership. I, I And I, I say this like with so much love, like I was there when they acquired vocabulary, when they acquired by Renaissance, I grew a team. Social media wasn't social media. I did social media, influencer marketing, content marketing, the blog. I was like, how do we not have our blog systemized? Because we knew as teachers how important it was based on our community. So I was there for a little while. Then I went to another company where I was head of marketing. And again, this is a former teacher, y'all. Like I have no marketing experience, but again, we are resourceful and we figure it out. And now I'm head of content strategy for a company called Classroom Champions that works with Olympians and Paralympians. And I am just honestly so blessed. And I was telling Joshua before we started recording The dots led me to this point and it feels so good. And I, I love to, you know, I do marketing courses and memberships and I consult for ed tech companies and everything I learned, I learned from being a third grade teacher. (laughs) I love it. You have such a wonderful story and I'm so excited about all of your success. And it's just been a joy to see not only on social media, but to have these conversations with you. And you're with such a phenomenal group, and we're going to talk about it later, which is the Classroom Champions. And I've been connected with that company for years with through Todd and Sloney, and I've yeah. seen just the power behind all that you do. So super excited. We'll talk about that later in our conversation. But the reason I really wanted to have you on the podcast is because of the time in which we're at, right? Where most folks are either done with school or they're about to be done uh, sorry for those in New York. I know you're still got a couple weeks left uh, <laughs> for my folks out there. I want to talk about kind of the reset, right? Because a lot of folks, they're worn out and maybe some of them have started to think about the following year, right? <laughs> what can you give our teachers, our administrators, our educators, as far as taking this time to reset? For sure. Yeah. So I like to say that every summer, Teachers are like phoenixes that rise from the ashes. There's this point that you realize, okay, I need to give back to me. And that's where this reset happens. And 
whatever journey you're on, however you're feeling, you're allowed to feel validated in those feelings. You're you're able to feel those emotions and whatever choice you make and however you decide to spend your summer and however you decide just to spend your back to school and how much you want to invest in giving your energy. Here's the thing. Whoever you're, you think you need to impress, they don't pay your bills. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It goes back to that. I think in this digital land where we need to post about things all the time. And y'all, I love posting on Instagram. Like I have, you know, I grew a following on Instagram, but there's this feeling of it's okay to sunset things. It's okay to quit things. Quit can mean a project. It doesn't have to mean a job. I'm not trying to tell everyone to like, hey, you need to do this. But every journey has its place and allows you momentum for the next thing. And we have to make peace with that and feel good that it's so much better on the other side once you make that choice. And I can when I was in the trenches in the most unhappy in different, whether, whether we go into childhood trauma, whether we go into the fact that I didn't have a car in college and I was trying to figure out how to make it to a job so I could pay my rent the next day or figure out how I was going to eat the next day. Like I'm not even exaggerating y'all. Like it's, I, I, I used to, it's crazy that I'm on a podcast telling you this story because I did not own up to my life story until about five years ago. I pretended it didn't exist. And now I own it because it's a part of our story. Everything you're feeling, you're allowed to feel that hurt. You're allowed to feel those deep cuts. And later on, you will look back and you're like, wow, that is strength. Like that is that is what makes me me and uniquely me. And that's why I give back with so much love that I do is because I feel that so deeply. All right, I want to dig into that a little bit more. <laughs> and I'm so glad you're owning your story because it's important. All right, so you talked about the stress of the work, which we all know exists. It doesn't matter what position you're in in education, the stress is real. You had mentioned earlier in our conversation about being emotionally safe to learn. And obviously, you know, it is one to rest and rejuvenate in the summer, but it's another is to make yourself better, right? So. Mm-hmm. We can't do that, though, unless we've faced the emotional strain that we've gone through to get to the other side. So I want to know what you used to do to get through the stress of the work and then also feel like you're emotionally safe to move on to the next step. Mm, Such a good question. And there's so many different phases of my life that I think about that, you know, it may not resonate with the people listening exactly, but maybe in specific pieces. And so when I think about like, Being okay to fail and to fail forward, I think is so important. And to understand the what and the why when those things are particularly happening. And also, it is so strong to remove yourself from situations when you don't feel emotionally safe. Like I I think back to, (laughs) sorry, this is so deep, but I think back to all of my years in therapy of like, why do I stay in situations that don't serve me? Because I think I need to show that strength that I can do it and I'm mentally strong and I can like, but the thing is, is it's even stronger to say, you don't deserve this. Like you don't deserve me and I'm removing myself. And when I think back of like some of my most fondest memories, it's with leaders and people who 
are just so genuine and authentic. And I hear about our CEO, like at Classroom Champions and how he talks to every single person individually. And I'm like, wow, I really am in an emotionally safe environment that I can test something and I can run with something and it's going to feel good. And it's also being able to tell myself like, and feel confident in myself and the choices that I make. Like, if you don't feel safe to make choices, then we need to reevaluate the situation we're in. And sometimes like, like there's all this talk about reframing your mindset. And I love reframing your mindset. Trust me. I talk about it all the time in the sense of like, it's so important for us to reframe our mindset when we're feeling a little negative to get ourselves out of it. I have found myself reframing myself. I have found myself reframing my mindset to the point I kind of gaslight the situation. I like gaslight myself in the situation. I'm like, wait a minute. And I I was just talking to someone. And again, like I like this is coming from someone who I had a lot of things growing up and then I didn't have a place to sleep in high school. And I was I, and and again, I'm I'm being very vulnerable here. I I, I share this story like pretty vulnerably. Like vulnerable, I share this story pretty vulnerably. I feel like when I was in middle school, I had this sudden urge to like collect coins, and I don't know why I was collecting coins. I just felt like I was I was collecting the mints and the you know how it would show, and I had all these things. And then when I was in high school, I had literally nobody to give me money for lunch. And I had these coin books and I was popping them out to go to McDonald's so I could eat dinner that night. Like I, whatever situation we're in, how, and I don't want this to feel like a negative, like podcast at all, which is kind of how I feel like it sounds like, oh, sad, woe is me. But it's like, whatever your situation, whatever you're feeling it is, feel it deeply and know that you come out on the other side so much stronger. And I lean on my community and I lean on the people that I trust so deeply that are in it for the long haul with me. And if you don't have that community, you have me and Joshua, like, come on, like, you know, like, and, and the teach better network. And this is whatever, it doesn't have to be this deep. I don't know. I think this past year has been my year of not being scared and the abundance when I quit something, I, I quit something because it didn't align with my values. And as a result, everything that aligned to my values came to me that I don't take that for granted. And I'm so, so grateful. Okay, I want to highlight something. First off, sharing about adversity, I think is phenomenal because everyone can connect with that. We've all gone through tough times and it's great to hear success and victory on the other side. And, and your story is that. So I love the vulnerability and, and you sharing that. I want to talk about communities because you touched on that just a little bit on, on that last answer. And I know you're really big in finding your people, finding a PLN, finding communities that are going to build you up and, and to teach you and to support you. So, you know, for someone who might feel isolated in a classroom or doesn't feel like they have that at their campus or in the district, where can they go to find that community? That is such a great question. And when I taught at a rural farm school in West Texas, which I love so much, it was so small that the kids would come up to me and they would say, Miss Calderon, can you give me homework today? Because if you don't, I got to feed the chickens. <laughs> like The community was so small That's and great. I was a 
it's it's nuts and like i was like what i'm from houston texas are you kidding me like urban area it's just so funny to me because like i was seeking community so badly and i understand that like teachers are constantly talking to children all the time and like we want to talk to adults right and we want to connect and we want to also grow we're in this role because we want to help and we want to do as much as possible and so there's so many different pockets of areas that you can find for your pln and One that I think someone could look into is ed tech company communities because there's every ed tech company, no matter which one you love, has done something towards community building to bring their people together in a group, whether it's in a Facebook group, whether it's in a community in itself. And this is where you have a commonality with other people based on the tech tools that you're using. And you can choose to get as involved as you want. However, I have noticed based on my experience in ed tech companies that these teachers then follow like droves into other ed tech companies based on their connections that they have together. And I was just on an Instagram live with a woman at Microsoft and then another woman popped on because she knew her and she also knew me and she's keynoting a conference. And that's because of her involvement in ed tech companies. And While, you know, I always say you get out what you put in. So like, you don't have to be the person keynoting. Like if you're like, oh my gosh, Amber, like you are, you're saying a little more than I want to do right now. That's okay. We'll get you there. But if you don't want to, that's okay. And you can just be, I always call it like the lurker, right? You can hop in, you can read, you can get inspiration. And then when you want to comment, like shoot your shot, right? Like get in there. So, so I think ed tech companies is a big one just because of what they provide with perks. And then there's all of these amazing communities and teach better is one that I feel so strongly about because it's this community of people that really care about growing your craft and they really want to elevate you and who you are while lifting you up with other people. And I think it's just like with anything, whether it's with a community or it's with your friends, do I feel drained? Or do I feel like they added to my energy? And if you leave an interaction and you feel like they added, those are the people that you keep going towards. And so obviously, like in the early beginnings, when I started, I'm probably going to date myself, which actually makes me sound so sad, is like I would join Twitter chats and I'm like, oh my God, are Twitter chats a thing? I I do social media still. And I'm like, darn sure. (laughs) But, you know, I would like make friends with people or For me, I join like different Facebook groups or like Slack communities based on my industry. And because I'm in ed tech, I look on LinkedIn, I leave comments. And something I was telling people at Classroom Champions today actually is I'm not afraid to reach out and ask someone, hey, can I hop on a call? Like I would love to share about blank, blank, blank. And I would love to learn how you X, Y, Z make those connections because the worst someone can say is no. And that can be so scary. I totally get it. I totally get it. If you need someone to just tell you no 30 times, so then you feel confident in case someone tells you, no, I will be that person. Book a call with me. (laughs) It, It can be so scary. I get it. I totally get it. But like, The worst someone says is like, hey, I don't have time right now, but like maybe in the future, like who cares? Like I have copped on calls with other head of marketers, directors of product marketing. Like, I mean, obviously like because of like 
my role, I hop on people that are in line with my industry. So it's like, who's in line with your industry and like subscribe to newsletters, soak up information, like people undersell, like even social media, it's called social for a reason. You have to interact with other people. And if you're just in like, that's where you have to put yourself out there of like, whether you're in a classroom, whether you're in a Zoom box, the more you break out to get other people's perspectives and challenge your point of view, like growth lives outside of your comfort zone. And that doesn't mean it has to be super uncomfortable. Trust me, I quit something that was super uncomfortable. Like you're still allowed to push yourself to get yourself to like how you feel fulfilled. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. For aspiring leaders, if you are looking to increase your position over the summer, who are you reaching out to? That's the big question, right? I mean, I've had plenty of times where I've asked to go get coffee with a principal because I was a position I want to be, or if I wanted to learn about being a secondary uh, director, you know, scheduling a meeting and having a conversation with them. I mean, there's so many people that we can reach out within district, but I love what you're saying too. There's so many communities out there that are just longing to have additional conversations to, you know, amplify other people or to share their knowledge. I can tell you right now with the podcast, 99% of my guests or the people I reach out to say yes just to have a conversation. So don't be afraid. If you need someone to say no to you, Amber's already offered up her service. I got you. <laughs> I got you. I also, I also want to share. So my, my mentor who has been mentoring me for six years now, she's the CEO of a big ed tech company. She's a huge female empowerment leader. And her name is Jenny Christofferson, CEO at Pathful. And I attribute so much of my business acumen to her. And one of the things that she told me early on is she said, who is your board of directors? Who is your personal board of directors that you can call on when you need that support? And I, it sounds like you're like, what a personal board of directors, but like, we need those people that can challenge our thoughts and help us like think through the nitty gritty even when we see the tree and not the forest, right? And I I like, she is my go-to. I attribute so much of where I am because of her. She is actually the first person I told, I told my personal story to. It's going to make me emotional even thinking about it. And it's because when you're, you surround yourself with super genuine, authentic people, you can go the extra mile personally and professionally, which is just going to, fuel your growth all right i'm putting amber on my board of directors immediately i'm just letting you know <laughs> i'm here for it anytime <laughs> anytime i've already leaned on you a couple of times so you're amazing all right i want to talk about real quick this last topic before we dive into classroom champions and some of the fantastic things that you're doing so mental makeup as educators we are constantly getting more things put on our plates every single day and i want to know you know, some strategies that maybe you've gone through, experimented with, failed maybe, I don't know. But yeah. you know, we are always pushing to our breaking point or feeling like we're about to be burned out. And I think there's a, a healthy balance there um, mm-hmm. because being pushed isn't always a bad thing. 
but being overwhelmed and overworked mm. is another thing. So what are some things that you're working with now and maybe when you were a teacher that kind of helped with your mental makeup? Yeah, that's such a great question. I do want to first acknowledge that I want to acknowledge the fact that I haven't been in the classroom in six years and I just want to call out the elephant in the room. Although I am always a teacher at heart and I still consult and I work with teacher business owners, I don't know what it's like teaching after the pandemic and I don't know what it's like teaching during the pandemic and I will never be as my mentor Jenny always tells me I will I want to talk always Tupac and not Vanilla Ice and I want to be really real with you that what I'm going to share with you is what works for me and I hope that you can take one thing away for you but know that I'm never trying to pretend like I'm something that I'm not if it's one thing I will always be it's authentic so I want to just call that out you know, like that's who I am. And I, when it comes to not burning out, I have definitely experienced all of the facets, right? When Nearpod was a startup, I was drinking the Kool-Aid and I love it. And they, they were the job that, tr that fueled my career. Right. And I was there till late at night. And in that situation, I leaned on the people that I worked with and created that like communal experience because we were there all the time, right? Now, when I think about not burning out now, it's making sure that you find a way to set boundaries and feel comfortable when you set the boundaries. Because what I've noticed, because teachers, and when I say this, I'm speaking for myself. If you resonate, you know, comment on this podcast, leave a review. It's... When I've set boundaries in the past, I felt guilt for setting that boundary and it ate me alive. And I've even been told by past bosses, I don't know if you're trying to set boundaries. And 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 it made me feel like, am I not supposed to set a boundary? But wait a minute, it's human aspect for us to set boundaries. And if you're in an environment where you can't set boundaries and be respected, that's a separate conversation. However, it's really important that you explain the why. So for example, on top of the myriad of things that I'm doing, I also serve as vice president of marketing for a nonprofit in Fort Lauderdale, which is where I live. And this is the first you know, month that you know I've been in it for a couple of months this is the first month that we're doing a couple of logistical things. And I actually didn't process anything this month on purpose because I wanted to allow everyone to share their feedback, to give their requests in the way that felt comfortable for them. So then I could collect data. So then next month when I create a plan, it's not just me creating a plan because I decide I want to create a plan. It's, hey, I noticed blank. And because of that, I did this. Now people can see based on data points why I made that choice. And if those people still don't see why we made that choice, then they're not respecting your boundaries. What's that one term? It's like people who are angry about your boundaries are because they profited from you not having any. And I think that's so powerful. And so again, because we're people pleasers, it's so hard to do that. And you have to say, like, even if you're, even if you decide I'm going to close my laptop, I'm one day a week, I'm going to leave the classroom at 5 p.m. Don't feel guilty from 5.01 to 9 p.m. before you go to sleep because you left early. You have to tell yourself, 
I am giving back to my family. I'm giving back to my friends. I'm giving back to myself so that I can give a hundred percent tomorrow. And because I do consulting and I do my day job at Classroom Champions, if I don't make peace with my choices, I ruined that experience that's going on during the day. And then it's like, well, then why did I do that? Like, it's all about like making sure you live in the moment and document everything because I've definitely journaled. And then I've gone back and looked at those journal entries to remind myself like, oh, maybe this is not what I should be doing based on how I'm feeling. Because you see these different, again, data points of your experience. I have definitely set boundaries and I've definitely been called out by a principal on email specifically. And I had to clap back respectfully, but say, you know, do I respond to emails within 24 hours based on mm -hmm. our campus conduct? And the answer was yes. So it was, what's, what's the issue here, right? I do my job and I do mm -hmm. it well, but when I leave, which often was late, <laughs> when I leave, I then become husband. That's when I become father of six kids. Like there's there's other responsibilities that I have to tend to and email is not going to dictate my life. And so unfortunately I learned that much later in my administrative career, but that was a boundary that I to this day follow because it's important. I need to make sure that I'm present once I'm away from the job. So I love that take. Boundaries are extremely important. And if you are setting those boundaries, you need to be competent in that and know that it's going to serve you the best way possible. And if you ever get worried about how to phrase it, just use chat GPT <laughs> in, a, in a friendly, upbeat voice. <laughs> you just need to know the prompt. You just need to know the prompt. It can be so scary, you know, like you, a lot of times we're like, oh my gosh, I just set a boundary, you know, and like, I still do it. And then I realize now I'm in such a healthy environment at Classroom Champions where everyone sets boundaries. And I'm like, wow, this is what a healthy environment is like. Like, honestly, it feels too good to be true. I honestly don't even like saying it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think everyone needs to understand that if you're not in an environment that you feel this way, then, you know, you can make a shift. You might be able to, you know, find another campus, another district that is fulfilling you in different ways. And those things change over time. You know, what you need as a young teacher or administrator may not be what you need as a veteran <laughs> teacher or administrators. So, yeah. Um, things do change. You keep bringing up Classroom Champions, which I absolutely love because it's a phenomenal organization. And I am thinking though that my listeners, not all of them, know what it is. So will you please share, you know, what it is and all of the services you guys provide? Gosh, Classroom Champions is one of the coolest companies I think I have ever laid my eyes on. And so in a nutshell, Classroom Champions brings Olympic and Paralympic athletes to classrooms. Yes, Olympic athletes and Paralympic athletes. And the reason why is because like, if I were to ask you, like, tell me about the first time you drove a car or tell me about working hard to get a job or tell me about breaking a world record. Was it easier to achieve one question over the over the other? And the reason why is because we have experience that we draw on because understanding something rationally is very different in a lived experience. And this is where this athlete mindset comes in. And it's that athletes, these Olympic and Paralympic athletes embody essential skills for student success. So there's this 
athlete mindset that's like the shared traits it's like the foundation of growth for anyone so these athletes are donating their time to classroom this is a non-profit organization i want to be very clear we are on the good side of ed tech here and olympic athletes and paralympic athletes are paired with classrooms and they support these classrooms in multiple ways there's an seo curriculum that covers eight thematic units and these eight thematic units are goal setting, emotions, community, perseverance, teamwork, feedback, healthy living, and leadership. And here's why. Winning a gold medal, that's a goal. Learning to read is also a goal. Staying calm and focused before a race, that's understanding how to navigate your emotions. And staying calm and focused before a test is also navigating your emotions. And there's actually psychological data of athletes when put under extreme pressure, how their blood pressure and their heart rate is able to be at a stable rate because their mindset has helped them learn how to live and train outside their comfort zone because outside is where the results show. But also it's where failure happens more. It's what athletes have learned out of those moments that contribute to their athlete mindset. And the thing is like, they have learned through all of this previous experience. And I think when we think about Castle's competencies of self-awareness, self-management, self, you know, relationship skills, responsible decision-making, these are all different areas of those competencies. Like, I'm just going to use one as an example, self-awareness. Athletes leave no stone unturned. They're hyper aware of their weaknesses as well as their strengths for optimal performance. They spend countless hours reflecting on their own performance, analyzing their actions and identifying areas for improvement. And they know that self-awareness is key for personal growth and they use this to become better overall. And so there's these eight thematic units, which I shared before, which is like this whole, like every month, it's like a new skill. And then because we celebrate or we, because athletes share their failures as much as their success, there's monthly athlete check-in videos where athletes like Christian Taylor, Christian Taylor is competing in relays overseas, and he is sending his students videos of him on the track training, talking about how he did, how he maybe crushed his time, how he didn't get the time. They're talking like there are athletes talking about how they're overcoming these setbacks. Like um, Lex Galette, he like he's a blind Paralympian, and he is just so on another level when it comes to his perseverance. Because a lot of times, like when you hear these athletes speak about how they have setbacks and they're still pushing forward, like we complain when we oversleep for 10 minutes. And I think it's so amazing for these students to see this living and breathing curriculum. This is not like, I have been a part of multiple experiences experiences where ed tech companies are talking about SEL. And for the longest time, I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm going to be very clear. I drank that Kool-Aid. But these are people who are reading research, who are going to universities, and they're studying behind a book. And I firmly believe your true lived experience pushes you to another level that then gives you that credibility later on. And if we take a page from the athlete's playbook and embrace determination and resilience in everything we do. 
and we set these ambitious goals. We work hard to achieve them and we never let these setbacks define us. Like these athletes are doing everything to get to this one thing and this athlete mindset we can truly navigate the ups and downs of life continuously growing and becoming the best version of ourselves. And they're not doing it alone, right? They're leaning on community, which is which is like one of the levels. Like they have a support system consisting, consisting of coaches, trainers, physiotherapists, sports psychologists, nutritionists, just like students have a community support system of teachers, parents, coaches, guardians, and friends. Like the parallel is there. And it's just, when you see how much these athletes care about these students and these students are seeing mentors, like I, I shared my story early on, I didn't have a father figure or a mother figure for a good period of my time. I'm unofficially adopted. I was, you know, unofficially adopted in high school, thankfully. I'm very, you know, close to my God family. And before that, like, where was my role model? Like, where was this when I was in school where I could see that people can have setbacks and still persevere and I'm not an outlier in my story. And the the thing about, you know, it's not one size fits all and there's adversity. And like, I think in, in every situation, we can all get behind sport. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we all can understand the, the strenuous and like, capability that it takes and I see these post you know these Olympian these Olympic athletes now working for classroom champions and these are some of the most emotionally intelligent people I've ever worked with in my life and it's something that I aspire to be and just how they navigate everything and how they think and they're so just they tell it like it is in such a great way because growth is is and they're so confident and comfortable talking about growth in a way that feels genuine and I can't wait for like my future children, whenever that happens to like have a, an Olympic athlete, be, like talk to them because it's, I don't know, it's just on a whole other level. I'm grinning ear to ear because everything you're saying is just resonating. And yes, there are so many children out there that they need mentors, they need guidance, they need someone to look up to. And to have an Olympic athlete speak to you personally about their struggles and their failures and how they've succeeded and uh, how powerful would that be and uh, I, I'm so happy that you're with them and you know you guys are making such a huge difference in the lives of our kids all around this nation so you're not only doing that but you're doing so many other things I swear Amber I was laughing with you the other day is like you have your hands in so many different parts of education so I know there's like a consulting piece to it that you do also. So will you just share a little bit about the other areas that you touch on? Yeah, I know. It's so funny. I say, I don't know how to sit still. And it goes back to teachers or constant learners by nature. And I'm not, it's crazy. I'm not stressed doing the work. Like when we're capable of doing the work, it's, we get so much joy actually doing it. So in addition to being head of content strategy for Classroom Champions, I started early on. I told y'all when I was a teacher, I created digital resources online, so I still sell that. Then I started consulting teacher business owners. I sell teacher marketing courses, teaching teachers how to grow and scale their teacher business. I've had people who are also teachers that decide to become real estate agents, 
teachers that then become social workers that want to grow their business. And that is something that I've just loved growing because my thought is, how can I support teachers sharing my knowledge of the education space and also this corporate experience that I've had in my life? I also have a marketing membership that I drop like, you know, I do weekly live videos, Q and A's, as well as trainings and downloads. And then somehow I started consulting for ed tech companies and it goes back to living outside your, it goes back to living outside your comfort zone. I am currently consulting, you know, overall marketing strategy for a science startup, as well as I'm consulting a social media team at a bigger social media company, helping them grow and scale the social media part of the organization and how it can be a part of go to market and a bigger scope of how they think about it in relation to the business, which is what I did at Flocabulary, which is something I love so much. I also create content on a weekly basis for YouTube, Instagram. I have a weekly teacher marketing newsletter and it just goes back to, it feels like a lot. I'm constantly reading and learning and talking to people and I'm just downloading my experience in real time and I'm testing it and I'm sharing what works and I'm sharing what fails. And I think the more we talk that out loud and we feel comfortable about sharing what works and what fails, the more we can all learn at a faster rate. And I always like to tell people at this time, I don't have kids, right? I have a lot of time, right? I I told classroom champions, (laughs) I told classroom champions earlier today, I don't have kids. Like I have a lot of time. So Joshua, next time, you know, later on down the line, we'll see what that, what this conversation is like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm trying to get you to start a podcast. So because you don't have enough to do, you know, I don't have enough to do. I would love to turn my YouTube channel into a podcast, but right now I'm trying to stay, right now I'm trying to stay consistent on YouTube. Which is why I haven't moved, but gosh, I just, just like you're, you're every time on the microphone and for my audience, please reach out to Amber. I love it. I also do. It's okay. I also do like, like free 30 minute calls just because I, I believe in paying it forward to anyone that just wants to workshop anything. I think about how many times people gave me free advice whenever I was trying to figure out what I was doing. And so you know, on, you know, Amber Calderon, if you just search me, you'll find I have my Calendly link everywhere because I truly believe of like, whatever it is. And and the thing too is like, you can like, you can just, you can be in education and are just trying to workshop something that you're going through. And I can help you think through that. And, And that's just my thought is, again, social is social for a reason. And the more that we help each other in every which way possible, the better we can elevate our teacher community as a whole because people need to see us how we see ourselves and how we know we are. So that's kind of how, that's my soapbox. <laughs> well, for everyone that's listening in the show notes, make sure you're clicking on all of Amber's social media. We're going to share that in a little bit. And then also take her up on that. I, I have myself workshopped ideas with Amber. She's phenomenal to collaborate with. So um, if you have something that you think would be valuable to bounce off of her, uh, make sure that you're clicking on that Calendly link and, and setting up your time immediately. So we are almost done with our conversation, Amber. I can't believe it. It's gone by so fast. So 
Let's talk about the one question that is kind of the baseline for this podcast, which is for our aspiring and current leaders. If there's one thing they can do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you suggest they do? Mm. There's two, I'm going to cheat and say two things that are kind of intermixed. I'll allow it. Go ahead. My big mantra is do something now that your future self will thank you for. A lot of times we want to just stop in order to just, you know, stop. And it's, and they go, and then it goes to my second mantra, which is create confidently. I feel very strongly about creating confidently, whatever it is feeling confident in the email you're writing to that parent, feeling confident in that initiative you're dropping to your school, feeling confident in that new project. You can't have a V2 without a V1 and you have to get it out there and you can't collect data unless you put something out to know it exists. So, and if you do it now, your future self will thank you later and just feel very confident that it's going to work out. All right, so we had teased the social media accounts that you have that are phenomenal. So for our Aspire listeners, you know, how can they connect with you on social media? Yeah, so on Instagram and Twitter, I'm Amber Calderon, C-A-L-D-E-R-O-N, and that's Amber with two R's. So that's on those accounts. And then if you search Teacher Marketing Academy on Google, I should pop up. My website is on there. I also have a website that says Peppy Zesty Teacherista, which is my <laughs> which was my first teachergram name and my blog is still on there. But if you search Amber Calderon on social media, you'll be able to get all of those links. Sign up for my newsletter. I send weekly teachings of psychology of marketing, which kind of brings back what I mentioned earlier about working with the Dean of Psychology. I talk about how psychology and marketing can intermix. And also a lot of that stuff is also applicable with working with people. Like psychology of marketing is just working with people. So I encourage you to sign up for that newsletter and also always stay up to date with what's happening with industry trends as well. Well, I will have, like I said, all those links in the show notes. Make sure you sign up for everything that Amber's doing. I am following you constantly on Instagram. You do a phenomenal job with your videos and different content that you put posts on there. And you are just doing amazing things. Like I said, you have your hands in like a million different educational companies and uh, the landscape. It's awesome. I love it. And, you know, you also are helping the Teach Better team, which we appreciate it so much. I know you're going to be blogging with us soon and yeah. doing some other fun things. So uh, love collaborating with you. Amber, it is a true honor not only to know you, but to have you on the podcast. I appreciate you sharing such a vulnerable story about your background and then also sharing such great tips for our summertime rejuvenation. So again, you're the best. Oh, Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to leave Joshua a review. It would be absolutely amazing for him and the podcast and always happy to connect. Let us know if there's any content you want us to create. We serve y'all. We want to grow this community for each and every one of you and you get out what you put in and be vocal and let us know what to create. And I can't wait to meet y'all in some capacity in digital land. 